don't obey in order to be saved. You obey because you are saved, mm-hmm. right? Or you don't be- obey to become a child of God. You obey because you are a child of God. Mm-hmm. So it's like now that we live with our God, we see His kindness in Jesus, and He has called us uh, His children. We want to obey Him. We want to follow Him, and we want to do the things that bring His name honor rather than shame. Kind of like the house rules. Mm -hmm. Hello, this is Pastor Tim. And I'm Megan. And today we have a special episode where we're going to answer some very perceptive questions from a college student that Megan, who is the DCE of uh, College Ministries. DCE of Campus Discipleship (laughs) and Outreach. There you go. (laughs) But she had some very good questions and we thought these questions are so good that we wanted to do a podcast uh, and hopefully it would be useful for anyone, but other um, college students, young adults asking these hard questions as well. So that's what we're going to do today. And so what is one of our first questions? Yeah. And first off, I just want to say that I'm so happy that she asked these questions. I think the Bible can be so intimidating. Mm. And even just coming to a church is really intimidating. Um, Coming to a church for the first time, uh, often by yourself, can be really scary. And so just a shout out (laughs) to those students who have done that and their courage and even just stepping into Bible class sometimes you think you need to know it all or have it all together before you even step in the church doors and I think I just want to dispel that myth right away and just say just come as you are and we are so excited to walk alongside you and help you grow and ask us these random questions and these tough questions because well we love these questions yeah, I don't we <laughs> I would I would do this all day you know, yeah. for free. Yeah. You have to pay me to go to like committee meetings and stuff like that. But <laughs> I would do this yeah. for free. So before we jump into questions, it's tradition mm. uh, to have a dad joke. Mm. Do you have a joke today? I do, do not. <laughs> okay. Do, do I, you? I happen to. I, is there such thing as a mom joke? A mom joke is when you say a joke and you didn't realize it was a joke. Mm. But mm-hmm. people laugh. Yeah, I do those. <laughs> I'm good at those. <laughs> but a, a dad joke, yeah. So here's here's the dad joke. What do you call yeah. a fly with no wings? Oh, I don't know. A walk. Oh. Yeah, we could try that out with our kids tonight. Yeah. See how that goes. You might get a small laugh. I think I think one of them will laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so what are these questions? Let's just jump right into it. What What are the questions? I love her first question. She asks, how does Jesus help with our sins? She asks, you know, what is the sin cycle? And then also along with that, what does depending on him feel like? Hmm. How does Jesus help us with our sins? That's a big, that's a really great question. I thought that word help was interesting yeah. in the question because I think sometimes it's like a our impression, like he's, it's still our job. You know, like with the word help, it's still kind of, it, I don't know if she meant it this way, but like there's some implications of like that it's 
we still kind of have to do it on our own, that he just assists. Well, and I don't in a sense, that's true. I think her question is like, how does Jesus help us with temptation? Mm. I think because we could talk about how does he help us with sin? Well, mm -hmm. he died so that we would not be condemned for our sin. So mm -hmm. that's the first thing. He helps us by allowing God to forgive us by taking our place, right? So that we could be declared innocent mm -hmm. because Jesus died for us. Yeah, and the verse that stood out to me was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Mm -hmm. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And he says, our sins are not counted against us in mm -hmm. Christ. Uh, so, and it, it goes on to say in verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no mm -hmm. sin so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. So I think one of the good core things about the gospel is it's, it's a complete heart transformation, mm -hmm. a change in us. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see our, our sin. He sees Christ and with us. But yeah, or that I think I think it might be useful to use some of the language f from Romans and mm -hmm. like this courtroom mm -hmm. language. So like we can talk about Jesus and our sin in two ways. One is he justifies us, right? Mm -hmm. He declares us innocent. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, that's this like in God's eyes, we are now innocent because of what Jesus has done. He, the judge, pounded the gavel and said, release him. He's innocent. Mm -hmm. Talking about us. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. And then there's freedom. So kind of going along with that other question of like, what does it feel like, you know, well, to have that? That's yeah, right. freedom. Right. So right? first of all, there's great joy and yeah. emotion. Mm -hmm. If you believe this, mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, I'm not going to be condemned mm -hmm. because of my sins. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm reconciled with the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything. That's beautiful. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Relief. And, yeah. yeah. And so that's the core of it, really. And mm -hmm. it does, when we believe this, how can we not love this God? How can we not trust this Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if someone ran into a burning building and, and rescued you, like you'd have really high regard for that person afterwards. And so the first thing yeah, is it changes our hearts when our sins are obliterated mm -hmm. for the sake of Jesus. And then once we're in that relationship with Jesus, uh, we do still struggle with our sin, unfortunately. Like there's this yeah. reality of sin. So how does Jesus help us to struggle with our sin might be a follow-up. Yeah, I, th I thought you said that really well yesterday when we were talking of like, hey, just coming to faith, coming to believe in Jesus and uh, receiving that gift from the Holy Spirit, that does, like, it doesn't, it changes us, but mm -hmm. we still have to wrestle with our sinful nature. And I think Romans yeah, 7 hits that really. peachy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Paul really talks about that well in Romans 7, where he's like, sometimes there's still things that I don't want to do, but I still do them anyway. And so like mm -hmm. wrestling with that sinful nature, but like, what is, what's the, there's a final verse in there that thanks be to God. Yeah. Yeah. That through Christ Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that he the, does rescue us from this body of death yes, that we're yeah, kind of yeah, struggling with. Mm -hmm. But I think, so first he changes our heart, right? So mm -hmm. in the forgiveness of our sins and being given the gift of the Holy Spirit, we see from God's perspective what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. So our conscience becomes trained by God's word. Mm -hmm. So we, first of all, we can avoid sin because of that. If we just know where's the boundaries, 
Right. The Bible mm-hmm. is excellent in that, like, you know, the the moral law still stands, mm-hmm. right? Like, Jesus didn't completely take that away. He fulfilled it, the law, perfectly. Um, but there's still, like, the Ten Commandments are still there for a good reason, mm-hmm. right? And, like, they're good boundaries Yeah, but for now, us. you know, I think the Bible does a good job of saying you don't obey in order to be saved. You obey because you're saved, mm-hmm. right? Or you don't be- obey to become a child of God. You obey because you are a child of God. Mm-hmm. So it's like now that we live with our God, we see his kindness in Jesus, and he has called us... Uh, his children, we want to obey him. We want to follow him and we want to do the things that bring his name honor rather than shame. Kind of like the house rules, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're a part of the family and you're deeply loved, but then you, you still want to follow those house rules. Yeah. And there's more too. I think I, I wrote down, um, a really cool passage from the book of Titus, uh, where St. Paul is talking about this. And just listen to the way that he, he talks about how we struggle with our sin now that we're saved. Uh, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, that's Jesus, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age as we are waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's, we're kind of like bookended in grace, right? We, mm-hmm. we have the grace of Jesus on the cross, him coming down to save us. And then we have the blessed hope that he's coming back to make everything new, mm-hmm. including us and our consciousness and our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. Perfected. Um, and in the meantime, we are being trained to look forward to that new world, that new life, and to renounce the claims on us from this world that would lead us to sin, even our own sinful natures, renouncing that power. And that's a process, right? It's a training. Mm -hmm. Training's a good word for it, right? Because it's like, you're going to have to go through some seminars, right? You're going (laughs) to have to go through some, uh, some boot camps, you know, to get, to understand this struggle. Mm -hmm. Which is, which is also why I think it's so important to do it in a community, right? Mm. Because we're all in training. Like we don't grow out of, we never grow out of our need for a savior, right? We, um, it's not a trajectory of getting better and better, Mm. right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, being a Christian just helps us be more in touch with our brokenness and our need for a savior. And so, but we're all doing that together. And so, That's also why it's wonderful to do this in a community um, because then we're all recognizing, hey, yeah, that's my struggle too. You know, this is what God's teaching me right now. And I love asking college students that question, like, what have you, what's God doing in your life lately? Where Mm -hmm. have you seen him at work? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So lots, that's, we have a lot of answers. Maybe we can summarize them. First, Jesus uh, helps us with our sin by forgiving our sin through his work on the cross. Mm-hmm. Second, he takes it. He takes our sin away, right? right? The yeah. second, he helps us with our sin uh, by training us to renounce ungodliness mm-hmm. right, through his spirit as we wait for the final hope and that is to come where mm-hmm. we won't struggle with sin anymore. Mm-hmm. And then third, you mentioned, I think rightly, we do this in community. Like mm-hmm. we train and we struggle together. 
uh, we hold each other accountable and we build each other up in mm-hmm. community. And that's all Jesus, right? He's doing mm-hmm. those things in his church. And in college ministry right now, the things we're working on is uh, we have our, our weekly evening meetings. Right now it's on Thursday nights. Um, but also the college students are invited to participate in any of the small groups that we have mm-hmm. or adult Bible studies. So your um, your essentials class, soon to be known as the H3 Head mm-hmm. Heart Habits mm-hmm. class, which te- teaches the basics of the faith. Or even we've had college students come to our 930 um, Bible class, which is mm-hmm. great. We've starting to kind of get a table where the college students can come and get some donuts and coffee and just hear more the pastors dive into romans more that matches the sermon mm-hmm. series so we're also yeah, doing micro church, groups right? yeah 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 we have like small groups of uh like two or three people where they meet together and go deeper into god's word and that's awesome for that accountability and that growth and that struggle in our sin but also celebrating that joy um, yeah there's together. a bit of a secret you know if you if you want to struggle with your sin and have some some victory, don't go it alone, right? There's a secret that God has given the church for this sake, and it takes a little bit of trust Mm -hmm. and a bit of a leap of faith. Um, But man, it's a blessing. Yeah, it can be hard to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But if you can do it with your peers and someone who's um, a little bit more familiar with the Bible, who's kind of leading it, then you're learning together. And other forgiven sinners, too. Yeah. Like, they're not... Christians shouldn't be like just judging you for mm-hmm. having difficulties. They should say, yeah, I get it because I'm just like you. Yep. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a part of a group, like just ask one of us on staff, one of the pastors or DCEs, and we'll happily get you plugged in with some other awesome Christians. All right, so next question. Uh, why wasn't Jesus born rich and royal to influence more people? I love this question. It's like, why isn't Jesus Elon Musk? <laughs> Right? Why isn't he like building rockets and electric cars and yeah. flamethrowers and just have this huge online mm-hmm. profile? Mm-hmm. And that, man, that's a great question mm-hmm. again. I think there's a lot of hiddenness to Jesus. Mm. In fact, there's, if you read the Gospels, you see this like mystery of the kingdom of God where he's always like healing people. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I command you not to tell anyone I did this. Mm hmm. And you think, why would he do that? You know, mm-hmm. why would he um, want to be kind of incognito or hidden? And I think it really taps into the heart of who Jesus is. So mm-hmm. there's this one um, verse just before he is going to the cross. He's starting to have these really heart-to-heart conversations with his disciples. And one of the things he says in Luke 22 and also in Mark 10, I think, he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hey, I wrote that one down too. Awesome. <laughs> that yeah. Jesus, um, his kingdom comes in very gentle ways. Mm-hmm. Um, just him washing the feet of his disciples and serving and being kind of unknown. Mm-hmm. And he's after people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't want to be known as like this magician right or this Mm -hmm. great world leader even Mm -hmm. like he renounces kind of the traditional ways to build influence and kingdoms Mm -hmm. so he renounces you know they try to make him king in john chapter six and he Mm -hmm. runs away from them essentially right he does Mm -hmm. not let them make him king and so he renounces 
earthly glory and he instead hides his faith and his influence in simple words. It's kind of an upside down kingdom. Exactly. And, and it really, um, it still is this way today, right? How does the church, how should the church operate? We should not be operating with this like glamour, mm-hmm. you know, sense or like trying to get all of our attention or influence, mm-hmm. you know, just being on the world stage. Mm-hmm. But it's much better just to be unknown servants mm-hmm. where God our Father sees what we're doing. Because mm-hmm. this is really what how the kingdom grows. Like when people understand, I was served for no other reason mm-hmm. than love. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't served so that that person could take an Instagram photo yeah. of, of the moment. <laughs> yeah. I was served so that um, I would be benefited, even mm-hmm. if no one else knew. Mm-hmm. And so this is how Jesus' kingdom grows. It grows by gentle love, gentle influence, not by power or coercion or spectacle, mm-hmm. but by these kind of under, under the table kind of things, um, under the radar, I should say. I think it also shows that he is okay with that brokenness and wants us mm. to come as we are. Mm-hmm. Because kind of like we said, you don't have to have it all together. And mm. I think if he was like rich and influential, you would feel like you need to clean yourself up before coming to him or have it all together mm-hmm. um, and look picture perfect before you showed up before him. And that's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wants us to come as we are mm-hmm. with our brokenness and... Um, that the the gift is for everybody right Right. not just for the elite and the people who have it all together yeah he came to serve yeah and that's why he was always hanging out with widows Mm -hmm. you know he cared about children Mm -hmm. he hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and Mm -hmm. outcasts lepers Mm -hmm. you know like that is not the way to build a huge following Mm -hmm. and even if we think about the cross itself it's like is there anything that special about a man dying Mm. Mm -hmm. a jewish rabbi dying Mm -hmm. on a tree Mm -hmm. you know nailed to a cross but it's like no that's where the kingdom of god is most powerful Mm. and the world can't see it because the world's looking for influence and riches and power but those who have faith begin to see it Mm -hmm. more and more like that's the real power of the world so great question yeah what else we got if the Bible is written by man, how mm. is it the word of God? And then she has a couple other questions that kind of go along with Bible. So what if the Bible is a fiction book based on real events? I know everything in the Bible is historically correct, but I have much doubt about the miracles of Jesus. And how do we know what it in the Bible is interpreted and what isn't? Mm. So a handful of questions on like the, is the Bible yeah. trustworthy? And again, um, amazingly perceptive questions because Mm -hmm. a lot of people they aren't aware of their thinking about the bible Mm -hmm. so they many people just think it yeah it's kind of god's word but kind of not or it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a testimony it's man's Mm -hmm. testimony or they don't take it literally right right they kind of have these hidden biases like some stories Mm -hmm. and yeah, you so, yeah. T- pick and choose what you want to believe out of it, or this part may be fact, but this isn't. Mm-hmm. And So yeah, let's yeah. take that first question. Is If the Bible is written by man, how is it the word of God? Great question. Mm-hmm. Um, both Old Testament and New Testament uh, is said to be inspired or God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. So do you want to just read uh, 2 Timothy 
about Hi. that or I got it. I got it. So one of the cornerstone verses in the Bible, and I realize this is an internal argument, but Second mm-hmm. Timothy three says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's a good verse. So this God breathed idea that God breathed out and he used, like a glove we could say, he used human authors to write it down. And so there's some reason that, there's good reasons that um, the Old Testament and New Testament people uh, believe this was true. Um, Like they believe, there was a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament that came true because of what was said. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like, well, how would they know that would happen unless yeah. God told them who knows mm-hmm. all things? Uh, and they always held it. So some of the events, like in the Old Testament, God spoke to Moses on Sinai. So there's lots mm-hmm. of witnesses to that. And mm-hmm. so they already believed, right, mm-hmm. this is straight from God. Because they saw him come down on the mountain mm-hmm. and they were freaked out. So there's some kind of keystone ideas that happen in the community that let the community say this about these books. I mean, even things like um, stories like the wise men, right? Where Mm -hmm. like they studied the scriptures and they had these prophecies that he would come and they were probably astrologists too. So Mm -hmm. they knew what was going on in the stars and like they believe that creation told God's story. And then it took, they went on this journey, not fully knowing probably like what they would see and then they ended up coming to him so Mm -hmm. like you know there was that study of the old testament um and then the fulfillment in their journey yeah so there's yeah so there's kind of internal evidence there's Mm -hmm. yeah this external prophecy thing Mm -hmm. that gives it credibility um is there anything else that we can think of to help Yeah, I have some other passages um, where the writers of the Bible are saying that the the Holy Spirit is present with them Hmm. in the Word. So Ezekiel thirty eight one says, "The word of the Lord came to me." Um, Paul said he received his message about Jesus through a revelation of Jesus Christ in Galatians one twelve, and God told Jeremiah, "Write in a book all the words that I have spoken to you." Jeremiah thirty verse two. King David, who wrote the book of Psalms, said, The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. And that's in 2 Samuel 23, verse 2. And in his second letter, 2 Peter, Peter says, Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's mm. in 2 Peter 1, 21. So these men who wrote the Bible were not pro- robots or mm. puppets, right? They they thought about what they wrote and they were conscious of the Holy Spirit like working through them. And then we see often of the, the things that they wrote were fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so it's, even though they were different authors, it, they're still telling the same story. Yeah. Um, so like those passages like confirm the vil- validity of scripture. Yeah, so there's other reasons too. So yeah, they're cl- everyone's claiming, hey, this is God's word. And they didn't claim that about, about everything. Um, yeah, you know, right. There's, so when there's other pl- Hebrew authors mm-hmm. writing things down and they didn't claim this is God's word, but the prophets did. Yeah, yeah. And then also when they're putting the canon together, the books, the 66 books of the Bible that we have now, 
they were really meticulous about what they picked. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, uh, some extra books um, that that could maybe have been in the canon, but they were chosen not to be incorporated in the canon because something in them contradicts um, the word of God. Well, or they just... Right? Like a lot of those books never claimed to be divine, right? So you mm -hmm. mentioned like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these Old Testament prophets. They said, God came to me and said this, right? And it those down. are in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Those aren't the extra. And there's books. these other books. There's how many? I don't know, 13 or something. Yeah. But they don't, they don't the have Apocrypha that same books. character yeah. and they don't mm -hmm. claim to be God's holy word. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but they might be historical context or, yeah. or uh, wisdom literature, mm -hmm. uh, and they might be useful, but we just don't hold them with the same authority. this came from God. Yeah. Um, and so that's. I hope that's helpful. Um, mm -hmm. The the final thing I'll mention is Jesus himself always referred to the scripture in this mm -hmm. way as mm -hmm. divine. Right. So he quotes the scripture all mm -hmm. the time. And he refers back to the Bible all the time mm -hmm. as if it's God's word. And literally he says this, right? He quotes, you know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Jesus uh, refers to the Bible as scripture. In his case, the Old Testament. Right. So he yeah. doesn't throw out the authority of the right. Old Testament. In fact, through his teachings, we see that he almost confirms the canonization of the Old Testament, mm -hmm. um, which is why we we can't even toss out books like Leviticus, right? right. Like right. <laughs> all those weird laws, you know, it just, um, that's a conversation for another day. But there are, you know, he does say that that's part of the Bible too. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's a lot of good reasons. It's a pretty complex question. I liked uh, your question about the miracles. I think mm -hmm. that's important to touch on. Like, um, you know, sh sure, it could be yeah. historically accurate, but I have much doubt about the miracles of Jesus. And I, what about yeah. the eyewitnesses, I think, to these things are pretty important? So, um, there's, yeah, so in the scriptures is written down a whole bunch of Jesus' miracles, right? So one thing that's interesting to note is that Jesus, outside of the scripture, is also known for miracles. Hmm. So historians Josephus and Tacitus... Uh, who were not Christians, so they, they weren't trying to help the Christian cause, they both noted that he um, was someone who was known for miracles or mm. like wizardry, right? Mm. So like they didn't know what was going on, mm. just that weird special things were happening. So this is mm -hmm. part of Jesus's reputation, even outside of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second thing is if we look at the trajectory of the church and even mm -hmm. Jesus's ministry, we see that he gained incredible popularity in just a few mm -hmm. years. And so he, his whole ministry was three years, mm. but he gained like massive, massive following mm -hmm. of people. And a lot of that was because his miracles were mm -hmm. so impressive. Mm -hmm. Like he feeds a 5,000, most pointedly is Jesus's resurrection. Mm -hmm. So Jesus's resurrection happened in Jerusalem, the same city where he was crucified. Mm -hmm. Very, it would be very easy to debunk that if it wasn't true. Yeah. So you could just. I mean, and even yeah. all the 
you couldn't deny even the uh, things that were happening in creation, right? Like the sun mm, blacked the out in yep. the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I love on the road to Emmaus where Jesus hides his identity, but he's walking along with two men. And he, they said, I can't remember exactly, but they're like, you haven't heard what's uh, been happening, things, yeah. all the things? Like, yeah. basically, have you been under a rock? <laughs> like, yeah, where right. have you been? Um, but yeah, the, the testimony that Jesus rose from the dead um, explains very well why people are willing to die for this testimony. Um, because would you be crucified upside down like St. Peter was if in fact it was just a big lie, right? So the miracles that Jesus does, um, they explain in large part, why his success was so great. Um, Jesus himself says, if you don't believe my words, at least believe for the sake of the signs that I did. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's like we often don't see miracles in our life. Um, some people have kind of witnessed some things that don't make sense in a natural way. Mm-hmm. Some um, answered prayers. Mm-hmm. In way. But then there's, a, there's actually a bigger question too. It's like, so I'll ask you, what is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did? The resurrection? Yeah, that would be our kind of go-to is mm-hmm. the resurrection. But the resurrection is just one man, right? And what about the creation of the cosmos mm, and the yeah. earth? Like we still have this question of like, can supernatural things even happen? Mm. And the creation of the heavens, the earth, atoms you know, puppies, kittens, Saturn and its rings, all of these grand things. We have to understand where did that come from? Because we know from John 1 and even the beginning of Colossians that Jesus was there in Mm -hmm. the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome to think about. And so I would just say, you know, if if you think that God can't do supernatural things, like turning loaves and and fish, in, in multiplying loaves and fish, or calming the sea, or raising a man from the dead. Yeah, raising the man from the dead, or mm-hmm. or healing someone's blindness. Like, mm-hmm. if God can create the entire universe, like all of these things are just kind of child's play. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the reason Jesus did all these things, and we have this record of it, uh, was to point us to confidence in His teachings, mm. actually. Hmm. to validate his identity Mm -hmm. as creator and savior. So hope that's helpful. 